I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship with your host, Claudia Pauls. Hello. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. With us is Tara, who is on the other end of a domestic violence relationship situation. Thank you very much for coming to see us and talk with us. Thank you for having me. We um, are going to offer this, uh, you are going to offer this story of hope to our listeners today because you have survived this relationship and looking back on it, um, you said earlier that you wished you would have known then what you know now, but there was a lot that went on between when this began and how you have survived it. Mm-hmm. So if you uh, would please share some of your story with us. So um, I think being in the abusive relationship, I didn't realize that I was really in an abusive relationship for many years. Um, I grew up in a home where domestic violence you know, was happening between my mom and my dad, and then they got divorced, and my mom remarried, and between my mom and stepdad, there was a lot of domestic violence, and so that was just kind of the norm in our life. And so having seen it happen twice mm-hmm. with your mom, that would make you think it was normal. Yeah. And so it was just kind of, um, that's the kind of idea I got of what relationships were. You just kind of moms and dads fought, husbands and wives fought, and you just kind of dealt with it and went on. And so, um, I was 15 when I met my, well, he's my ex-husband now. So when, um, I met him, I was 15 years old and Um, At that time in my life, I had started just kind of, um, before that, you know, I was a good kid in school, played sports, got good grades, did all these things, and then I uh, became a freshman in high school, and I went to uh, my first party, and I seen people drinking and things like that, and that was kind of the, you know, family that I grew up in, and so I kind of gravitated towards that Mm -hmm. crowd, and uh, I met him, and uh, we started drinking together, and just hanging out and you know at 15 you think you know everything so oh, everybody's yeah. telling you you know like he's not uh, a good person to be with blah 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 but um yeah you think you know everything you think you know what love is and my idea of love was so distorted anyway and so there were um at first when we first started dating at 15 um I was using like going out and drinking using marijuana I tried cocaine acid all these different drugs and that's kind of how our relationship started and so it was like this excitement for me at that young age and he was also part of that excitement I'm sure so if you were doing these things together yes and so um I can look back today and see some red flags obviously at that time when I'm 15 I didn't know anything about what red flags were or what an unhealthy relationship was um so by 17 I was pregnant with our first kid and so it kind of solidified the relationship there Mm -hmm. I think 
as a female when you get pregnant and you meet the man of your dreams you think that you know you're going to do whatever you can to have a a healthy family for your children and so I think I ignored so many different signals and red flags and different um, abusive things that were happening there wasn't any physical abuse at first it was mainly just you know mental abuse control isolation Um, I stopped hanging out with a lot of my friends and it was just him and whatever friends he allowed to have around us. Were you still in high school? Yes, Did I you go? I did go to high school. Well, that yep. part's good. And, yeah, <laughs> I did. I graduated from high school. So um, I'm not sure how. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so between that and after I had my first son at 17, um, we started using meth. And we started using meth pretty heavily. Um, and so I got to the point where I was um, so addicted to meth that I needed it just to even like get up to go to school. And... Um, trying to raise a kid and go to school and then be in a relationship that was so abusive and mm-hmm. so controlling. Um, somehow, I'm sure by the grace of God, I was able to graduate high school. That was something you know that I really focused on and wanted to do in my life. I think because when I found out I was pregnant at 17, um, I had people tell me, oh, now you're never going to quit school. You're going to be a high school dropout. And so like I had some kind of like thing inside me that was like, uh-uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to graduate. And so I did graduate. That's amazing. Thank you. I wish our listeners could see you because the things that you're saying, as I'm sitting here looking at this beautiful woman that you are, Uh this (laughs) wonderful person, you really are a story of hope. It's amazing to me listening to what you're telling me. Thank you. So um, I graduated high school. And um, really got our, my math addiction really got, um, increased heavily at that point the abuse obviously when you have meth involved in anything the abuse intensified greatly um just things like you know couldn't talk to anybody if I talked to another guy even if they were at our house you know then I was accused of having sex with that person and just anything to the point where I almost like isolated myself right into the bedroom because I didn't want to have to deal with those fights and Mm -hmm. things anymore um we had ended up um I had my second daughter at 21 and uh, decided that we needed to get married. And so I say that and giggle because I'm just like thinking back to like what was going on between that 17 to 21. I was like, why did I decide to marry? Why? Like, but I think it was still just that, you know, that idea of having a family. I've had my second child and I kind of just figure like, this is it. I mean, this is the relationship I'm in. This is my life. This is where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And so we got married when I was 21 or 22 and um, got married and was he the same age as you or was he's a couple years older not that it matters but sometimes when the male is a little bit older it just you seem to depend more Mm -hmm. on him perhaps I'm Mm -hmm. not sure and I was I was very dependent on him um I always tried to think like I was going to be an independent woman and, you know, Mm -hmm. growing up and watching my mom get abused, I always made those statements like, oh, I'm never, ever going to get into an abusive relationship. I'm never, ever going to drink alcohol. I'm never going to use drugs. All these things (laughs) that I turned into that exact person I never was going to be. And um, we got married and nothing had changed. Like everything was still the same, still the abuse, still the isolation, still all those um yeah, just all those same behaviors happened. We just had I had two children now instead of just one. And um, I remember <clears throat> just kind of being in um, a depression, but not even realizing that I was depressed. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it wouldn't have been anything if you would have seen me, you know, back then 15 years ago or whatever, ran into me at the store and 
just, you know, my hair not done and no makeup on and stains on my shirts. And I just didn't care. Like, I didn't care about really what I looked like, what I was doing. I just kind of felt stuck and kind of Well, like, and you didn't have anything to look forward to. I mean, no. every day was the same. And mm-hmm. So we ended up having a house fire. And um, at that point, we stopped using meth. And we uh, got clean. And we were living with his mom for a little while. And things How had did changed. You, did, you did that on your own? Stopped? I mean, got clean and stopped using meth? Yeah, and I think that people can, but I don't think it's true recovery because you still depend on other things. Like, you still have those behaviors and you still have that depression and you still have that blah of life. Mm-hmm. You're just not using the drug that kind of helped cover all those things up that gave you, you know, that drug to help you, you know, numb those feelings or give you some kind of enjoyment in life or anything like that. And, um, like, I, you know, he was very abusive anyway, so if he said we were going to quit, we were going to quit, and, you know, there wasn't any other. I mean, he was pretty much, you know, that's where I could get drugs from for oh, a long right. time. And so I didn't go out and buy, you know, the drugs all on my own all the time. And um, so, yeah, we had quit. We quit on our own, but it was still pretty um, not real happy life. What we had done was started going to church, <clears throat> You know, I love church and I love mm-hmm. God, but at that time, um, like church was terrible for me because it was another form of abuse that he could use to control. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. And so, um, we all know it says, you know, that wives are supposed to submit to their husbands and submit to God. But he took that and twisted that, and the church that we were going to didn't really explain what being submissive meant. And so, Um, My heart always aches for women who are Christian women who think that they have to stay in an abusive relationship because God says that he doesn't like divorce or because you're supposed to submit to your husbands. And that's not what that meant. At that time, I didn't know that that's not what that meant. And so they need to finish the part of husbands value your wives. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. And so um, so for a couple years, we did that. And just um, I just grew this hatred kind of towards God because I was thinking like, what kind of God would want a woman and her children to be treated so terribly all the time and still think that he's the one in the right? And um, I just remember like having to walk this even straighter line than what I've ever had to walk before, you know, not saying certain things, listening to certain things, watching certain things, always, you know, making sure we were going to church and being this perfect family and, you know, what he said was right. And it was pretty, I didn't like going to church and I didn't like any of that stuff at that time. And, um, I couldn't really be around my family because my family still drank and they were sinners. And so, you know, that was another way that he could isolate me from being around my family. And um, it lasted a couple of years going to church and he started falling away from church where he'd always say, well, you and the children need it. You and the kids need it. And I'm thinking, (laughs) okay. (laughs) At least you escaped him for a while. Yeah. (laughs) And so we eventually stopped going to church and um, I started using meth again. And I was sneaking around using it um, without him knowing and, you know, waiting till he went to work and I'd go get it and kind of just um, using that. And he eventually found out that I was using meth and started using with me again. And so, um, you know, the behavior still were there, the abuse and control and all of those things intensified again because of the meth use. And we decided that um, my grandparents lived in Florida. So we decided that we should pack up and move to Florida 
and that everything would be better if we just got away from this area. And so we packed up like just what we could put in a truck and we headed to Florida and we lived down there for about a year and a half. But at first, like I thought like things really were going to change, like he had changed and he was like just happy and doing stuff with me and the kids and um, really kind of being involved in our lives. And but it didn't last long. Um, I remember one night down in Florida and we went to out to a bar with some friends down there and I'd um, he wouldn't go out and dance with me. So I'd ask this other guy to go dance with me and just not really thinking anything of it and then we got in the car and everyone just hit me and he started calling me all these names and just like um made I made him look like a fool and blah 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 and I was just like well I didn't even realize what I had done and he kicked me out of the car on this dark road and you know I didn't have a phone or anything and made me walk and I remember my grandma came and looked for me I remember my grandma said you know what she is married she is not dead she deserves to be able to go out and have fun and that like, it really resonated with me because I was like that is true like <laughs> I'm not dead like I can still right. be that person and have fun but you know the behaviors just continued on even in Florida so you can change the place that you're at but if you don't change those behaviors and change those thoughts then everything still stays the same very true I bet it was hard for your grandma to watch the second generation of mm-hmm. this happen. Did, was it happening with her as well, your grandparents? Did they fight as well as your parents? Um, I didn't see them, but like stories I've heard that, mm-hmm. you know, my grandma was in abusive relationships pretty much all of her life too. So um, I never witnessed it by the time, you know, we got to that age. They had pretty much settled down, my grandma and grandpa. And, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean. Mm-hmm. So how did you begin to pull yourself out of this? So we, I got pregnant with my third child. We moved back to Michigan. And I had been a certified nursing assistant. That's the job that I held. Um, and so I decided that I was going to step out and apply to go to nursing school. And I got accepted into the nursing program at Southwest Michigan College. And like this little ray of hope kind of mm-hmm. clicked in me to where I was like, I don't have to live in the same life that I've been living. I don't have to be dependent on him forever, you know. So many years of mental abuse of being told, you know, like, you'll never be able to live on your own. You have kids to support. You can't even get a job, blah, blah, blah. And um, really, you start believing that, like, I wouldn't ever be able to be on my own. But then I got accepted into the nursing program. I was like, wait, like, I think something, you know, I think things can change. Right. um, We continue to fight. And one night we got into a huge fight and I just decided I grabbed my kids and we left and I went and moved in with my mom and we were staying there and I was just like this is I don't you know I'm done I don't want to go back there's a something like going to nursing school and just um making like friend like female friendships outside of the home from my job and things like that and you know people just encouraging me and kind of speaking some life into me and I moved in with my mom and he called me one night and asked if uh he had a friend who wanted to go out and asked if he could uh, meet up with me and some of my friends and we could all go out together. And so I was like, sure, that sounds fine. And so um, I actually met him at his house. I drove over there, met him at his house, and we rode um, to the bar together and met some friends there. And then started drinking, and uh, it was time to go home. So he had to give me a ride back to my car. And so on the way home, we started arguing. And I, you know, just told him that, I, I don't love him anymore and I want a divorce and I want um, just to be done you know and I thought honesty would be the best policy mm-hmm. <laughs> at that time um, again I wasn't aware of like all the all the statistics of domestic violence and um, so he did not take um, lightly to that and he pulled drove into this field that was just down um, from his house a little bit and um, 
he pulled into this field and jumped out of his truck and I remember like I didn't have anywhere to go I didn't like I was gonna try to jump out the other side before he could get the door open and he opened the door and um, grabbed me by my feet mm. I am so sorry that all this happened to you and I, I re I we all appreciate <laughs> of course you are emotional we appreciate you being willing to share the bad parts so that we can see how you got to the good parts. Yeah. And I do want to reassure our listeners, looking at you right now, you did get to the good parts. I'm sorry. I tell the story a lot. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard today. I haven't heard it. I'm just about to join you here. So, <laughs> so he pulled me out of the truck and he got on me, started choking me, and started telling me that um, I didn't deserve to live and that my kids didn't deserve to have me for a mom. And that he could... Um, snap my neck and hide my body nobody would know or care oh my gosh I remember I passed out when I came back too like I remember just kind of having like this peaceful feeling over me and then um I realized where I was I kind of started getting um upset again and he got back on me and started you know choking on me again and then um I just asked him I said just think about Dean like my son and I are really close and he has never been really close to his dad. And I was just like, think about Dean, like Dean needs me. And I don't know. Um, I'm not really sure what happened, except I know that God has a bigger plan for my life than ending it that night. And, That's for sure. Um, it was really strange. <laughs> like he just picked me up and sat me on his lap and started hugging me and telling me how she loved me. And he just wants me to come home and wants me to quit school, wants me to quit my job. And I just kept telling him, yes, I will. Yes, that's a great idea. Yes, I'm going to quit school. I'm just going to come home. And um got back down to his house and his sister was there and um she was like did he just do this to you and my face had um from being choked had bruising and stuff on it and um I asked her to call the police but she wouldn't call the police but she said she'd give me a ride home so she gave me a ride home to my mom's house and I was so scared and I called the police it's the very first time I ever called the police on him and um so I called the police and the police came and I was so scared that he was gonna because he had told me so many times in my life, you know, if you ever call the police, if you ever call the police. And um, the police came and they did a report on him and told me that they'd have to call Child Protective Services because with any domestic violence and Child Protective Services. And so I was just like devastated because you hear so many horrible stories about when Child Protective Services gets called. And so I was, you know, in my mind thinking this was a bad idea. I should have called the police. And he was arrested and... Um, he was charged with he was charged with disturbing the peace and um I think just like uh domestic violence, which isn't a very heavy charge, like I think a misdemeanor or something and so I think he ended up spending like two weeks in jail for that and was got wow. to get out before Thanksgiving. And um I remember his whole family was so mad at me. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, and stopped. Um, his mom actually babysat my kids while I worked, and I remember her calling the next day and just saying, well, you know, I don't think it's a good idea that I babysit the kids for you anymore. And just, like, um, it was just really awkward and odd to me that um, everybody knew how he was, but yet when it came down to it, nobody wants to stand behind you. Sometimes I think you just feel completely alone. Oh, I'm sure in that you whole do. Situation. Was he abusive to them as well? It was very... Um, Yes, he was a very abusive person. So it didn't take much to set him off and him, you know, cuss out everybody, his mom, his grandparents, whoever, you know, all the time. Right. And everybody just kind of tiptoed around him as he's just, you know, he's got anger issues <coughs> and, oh, he had a horrible childhood. And, and I fell into that, like, oh, 
you know, he just had such a horrible childhood. Like, that's why he acts like that today. But nobody, it doesn't matter what your childhood is. Like, everybody has the right and the opportunity to change and make better choices. And it doesn't mean that you get to treat people the way that he treated me. No, so. no. Yes, going forward doesn't mean where you came from, but making those choices to go forward on purpose. Mm-hmm. You can blame some of those uh, actions on your past behavior, but you still are making your choices going forward. Mm-hmm. So so what happened then from there? Well, I would like to say that I got hooked up with domestic violence services and everything was great and I changed my life, but um, honestly what I did is I sunk further into my addiction. I started um, going to the bars a lot, um, using meth a lot, uh, Actually, I'd be at the bars more than I was at home, you know, tuck my kids in at night and then head off to the bar. And um, I remember coming home and seeing my son still awake, you know, at three o'clock in the morning and he had school the next day and just um, thinking like I was the only thing that they had that was really stable. I was not a stable person whatsoever. You know, I was very unstable, very unhealthy at that time. I'm seeking, I don't know, relationships and just becoming involved, very um, surfaced with other men and I don't know, I guess just trying to find somehow to, you know, heal those hurts. and. Um, well, I, and deep down, I think you believed what he told you about yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trying trying to to stay abused almost, if that makes any sense. Right, yeah. Um, before you're able to climb out of that hole. Mm-hmm. I met another guy, and uh, he had just gotten out of prison um, for cooking meth. And so um, we started dating and he moved in with me and my children and um it didn't take long before we our house was raided and um found with a meth lab in the house so cps didn't get involved the first time for my domestic violence because the kids didn't witness it so cps didn't get involved um but this time they did Mm -hmm. um, with the meth lab in our house um they got involved Um, the man that um I was with at that time he was arrested and um, went to jail and actually went to Teen Challenge and um, I had my children removed and I just started sinking in into anything that was offered to me and so domestic and sexual abuse services was one of the requirements that I had to do and I'm so grateful that that was a requirement. Um, I think that it should be a requirement in every like ninth, 10th and 11th grade class Mm -hmm. just to learn what domestic violence is and that you don't have to live in that that there is something different for you um so I started doing those classes I started going to church I started just um getting involved in everything counseling and therapy and substance use therapy and um yeah just my life started changing I started seeing myself in a different light I started seeing myself as somebody who didn't deserve to be um that beat up abused person that I did have um that I was smart and that I was a good mom and that I was able to be an independent woman that I'd always wanted to be. And mm-hmm. um, the guy that I actually got busted with and went to Teen Challenge, he completely changed his life and we are married today. Oh, that's a, yeah. another good part of your story. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah. And so we have a really healthy marriage today. Like, uh, it's just totally different. Like I said earlier, when I sit and think about my story back then, I just wonder sometimes like, how low my self-esteem must have been and how broken of a person I must have been to stay in a relationship where I was always degraded and always treated so terribly. And there are good men out there who want to um, love us and want to treat us as equals and want to um, be good to us. And I'm blessed that I found that man. And 
I have um, a really just a beautiful life today. That's you know? wonderful. Yeah. And your kids are with you oh, as yeah. well? Yep. Yep. So we went through the CPS case, got that all closed. My kids were returned home. Um, I was able to get my felony expunged off my record because I had been charged with the possession of meth charge. That right. was a felony. So I was able to get that expunged. And just through the encouragement of so many people in my life, um, I was went back to school and I have a master's degree now in social work. And That's fantastic. Yeah. So I work, um, I'm a substance use counselor now, therapist now, and um, volunteer as much as I can with domestic and sexual abuse services. I just love this agency so much and just they the are hope wonderful. that they, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The hope they give to people and just the love they give to people when people don't feel lovable at all. I didn't feel like I was worth love. I didn't feel like I was worth anybody's time really to help and this has been awesome. And now you get to teach other women yes. and people that they are worthy of love and a good life and everything going forward absolutely yes i can imagine your clients are so lucky to have you because you know exactly where they come from Mm -hmm. what they're dealing with and that they really can get out of that abusive relationship Mm -hmm. wonderful tara thank you so much i am thrilled to have been able to meet you and just all of our listeners have got to be inspired by what you shared with us today thank you thank you for listening to i'm not in an abusive relationship If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.